Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 349. This is your guide to the geek side, and I'm your host, Todd Oxtra, joined by my constant companion, Charlie Churlish Carden. How you doing, Purple buddy? Rain. Purple Rain. Well, how's everybody doing? Excellent, excellent. We are joined today by a very special guest, uh, a uh, resident of uh, one of the uh, states shaped like a mitten, and that is Katie. Katie, please introduce yourself and how uh, people may know you across the interwebs. Hi, I'm Katie. Um, I met Charlie um, from many geek things. Uh, the League of Enchantment was one of them, as I was a fan artist who was working kind of in the local area. I kind of started with uh, comics at a very young age, although secretly because my mother thought they were inappropriate for little girls to read. <laughs> no! <laughs> I started a sneaking the Batman animated adventures and kind of got hooked then, and I've always loved superheroes ever since. Well, fantastic. And I didn't even say your last name. So just, you know, if people want to find you, we'll obviously go into where people can truly find you at the end of the show. But just mm-hmm. uh, tell people uh, a little about, about yourself um, in regards to the, your, your, your actual, like, artistry and things like that. Oh, yeah. Um, you can actually, I don't do the fan art so much anymore, but I am working on um, photography. I'm a fine art photographer, so you can find any of my photography on K-Photoscape. Um, so it's, I work for uh actually a local university um and so i do a lot of work there as far as their art gallery and stuff goes so not so much the fanner anymore unfortunately but um i do other stuff now too awesome nice well very very cool so um we know where you are now but we want to know your geek origin story so tell us how you became the geek you are today um like i said i started um sneaking the batman animated adventures when i was knee high to a grasshopper <laughs> um, <laughs> and although i don't know i'm being six one i don't know if i've ever actually been knee high to a grasshopper actually considering i know, all. I know how you feel i know <laughs> i've been i've been six four since i was 15 so yes. that's uh you know that's very frankenstein when you're in high school was well, not a hit with the ladies i will admit but oh, wow. um yeah i kind of navigated towards um just geeky spaces in general um some of my friends introduced me to D D when i was probably about 14 and i've been trying to play that ever since and with limited success because you know how hard it is to keep a group together <laughs> that's <laughs> a commitment yeah it's like it's like the beatles you know what i mean or or finding a good rolling stone album as they continue to go <laughs> yes <laughs> Not an easy exactly. one. <laughs> well you know they tend to they tend to roll downhill so to speak <laughs> oh yeah like a 20-sided die yes <laughs> exactly exactly Ooh. a lot of crit fails <laughs> absolutely well, excellent. Well, thank you for joining us on the show. Um, mm-hmm. This is going to be a fun one because you know what? No, it's cooler than anything. The, when the X-Men were making a weird team in Uncanny <laughs> X-Men number 349, they added some characters who were hit, but mostly miss. And one we, of those characters... We have really been stuck on these X-Men. Which oh, my, my goodness. N- number 350 is, I've already told you, it's a landmark, and I already told you what it's going to be. So ne- next one is mine. I'll let you do this one. Well, Charlie, because Maggot was, the, the character named Maggot was previewed at the last Hascon. They showed these little maggots, and that's what Maggot is. He's a weird bluish black 
toned character with a little tuft of weird, like strong guy hair in the front, which is uh, blonde. And he basically his powers, which I don't understand. I don't think I ever described it. He may be dead. I don't know. Um, he pulls maggots, these like robotic looking maggots out of his body. And that's his power. And they like attack you. That well, reminds uh, go ahead, it, Quinn. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. No, I actually. OK, so I'll confess. I had never heard of this character before. So I actually looked him up because <laughs> I, I, I like and I like um I like the is it um Baculo? Is that it? Is that the guy? Mm-hmm. Baculo, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's great. I like I, I like his 90s work as far as like the kind of like hard lines and that sort of thing. So I was like, OK, cool. I like this cover. I have no freaking clue who this guy is. though. <laughs> and you know, you he apparently can read memories of a place. And then he, the maggots are named Eeny and Meeny, and they just like kind of burst out of his stomach randomly. Like they have to eat like five times. I was like, this seems painful. And I can see why this character did not stick around for very long. Oh my God. You, you know what this absolutely reminds me of? There was a, and I know it's almost wrong to invoke the name of Dane Cook because a lot of people are not crazy about him, but he did a bit once where he said, I'd love to have a really useless superpower. Like if I pointed my fingers at someone and just shot spaghetti. <laughs> That's what this guy reminds me of. Shooting spaghetti out of your fingertips. That is maggot. I still think it'd be a lot less painful than having two worms burst. Like, it's like reverse yeah. alien almost. It, yeah, maybe exactly. not even well, reverse alien. Well, and it doesn't kill him, so it's like it happens ongoing. And yeah, it's just, it was the 90s, man. Everything was extreme, and there were a lot of pockets, mm-hmm. and people had, you know, big motorboat man boobs, and there was just a lot of stuff going on. That was it fun. was, and this was, I would say, though, the big change for X-Men, I would say since uh, Generation X, which was like supposedly like there's going to be the next generation of X-Men, which mm-hmm. some of those characters have stuck around. But they really got into characters, actually, who were conflicted uh, because of their powers. The way they looked, the way that hurt them to use them. One was chamber where basically he had a gaping hole in his body and he shot energy out of it because it basically energy emerged and jumped out of his body so he actually had a gaping hole in his body you had husk another character who would basically shed her skin and her powers so they they had marrow as another character who pulled bones out of her body as weapons so they really yeah so they did a very interesting job of basically saying they can't all be attractive and be conflicted if they've got these powers great but if they can blend into society it kind of takes the stigma away and they did a good job of basically saying these people are standing out and hard to basically conceal themselves. So, so I thought that saying, was at least a good point. Basically, the X-Men of the 90s was like the greatest showman. You know, the bearded uh, lady. And, absolutely, uh, Charlie. Yeah, there there was a, so much music. It was a musical, <laughs> essentially, yeah. yes. Yeah. Well, and, you, yes. Know, you bring up a really great point is that that's kind of the marvel that I know now is that, like, I used to joke that it's a soap opera with superheroes, but right. especially with, like, the way that, like, they've been going at it more from a modern lens of yes, they have superpowers, but we're telling really human stories to it. And I think you're right that that really did kind of start in the nineties with having these conflicted where they started experimenting with these more non-traditional, like, you know, like you were saying, like pretty archetypes. Absolutely. It. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. So it, it's, it's a fun series. Bacalo is a great artist. He actually did generation X as well. Scott Lobdell mm-hmm. was kind of like, he was like the next great, X-Men writer for a time and then he kind right. of burned some bridges and then we finally got Grant right. Morrison who then brought in the next great era of X-Men so right. there you go but that's the, a different the, story the highs the highs the highs the lows well you know it's the same old story is what we do every time right here in the show is that we jump on a bus we go down to the corner of Hollywood and find and we find the gal who's been there for 75 years giving us all of the greatest news. That's right. We're talking about Madam Webb with uh, her rumors and news. So without further delay, Madam Webb, 
Take it away. Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. Oh, Madam Webb, I know you're jealous because Katie has really cool hair. Oh, uh, <laughs> the blue is awesome. We, we love it. The last time you try to dye your hair... It's blue, but it's like when the old ladies get the blue hair because they the, the silver doesn't wash out. So, you know what? Katie may have some tips for you. Uh, so just stay tuned from there. So, yeah. So we are into the news segment of the show. And this week we've got four trailers. So big, big things were debuted. We're getting into this. So I think it's time to get right into it. So the first news story... Uh, is all about the book of Boba Fett. We finally got a trailer and what this show is essentially going to be out when it debuts December 29th on Disney Plus. So, um, political intrigue in your face. Well, it's really underworld. It's basically this is right. the mafia. It's all of the the underworld of Star Wars and how make it, it makes it click. And we did get some scenes where it basically shows that Boba Fett wants to be a smarter, not more ruthless, um, basically leader of the underground with the different bosses and things like that, right. um, which makes it really interesting. And We'll see where this goes because it looks like he's going to be in for a wild ride of fighting the old system and bringing in a new system. He's always said, I was never a mercenary, which is funny because Boba Fett was designed as a mercenary as that role was for the last how many years? Well, it's kind of... Go ahead, please. I was going to say, that's what's really interesting is that honestly, like I... I remember watching the first, like, when he first shows up in Star Wars, and I'm like, okay, yeah, he looks like he's this kind of neat throwaway mercenary character. Like, he wasn't anything more. And then he kind of got, like, this whole, like, kind of, like, cult following, and then he got, like, books and everything else. And so seeing him coming into the um, Mandalorian and kind of coming back on his own right, I really enjoy how they're making him into his own character. And even though they might not... Like they seem like they're straying away from the mercenary thing. He's still living and like working with all of these underbelly types. And I'm like, that's that's definitely some mercenary stuff. So I don't know if you can get away from that exactly, but I like that it seems like they're kind of setting up this conflict between who he is now and who they created him initially to be. Right. I mean, if you think about the fact that, you know, this is not a character who had such a standard life in the in the five years between Mando and Return of the Jedi because he ended up in the Sarlacc you know there's some backstory around that hinted about how he got out of it but obviously the experience left him changed physically he's scarred he was being digested but he got out and like how did that experience change him why does he want something different it's one of those classic actor like what's my motivation why do I want to do this thing Um, but yeah the first thing that he decided to do once he fulfilled his obligation to Mando and rescuing Grove and all that kind of stuff is he just went back to Jabba's palace and then there's big fat Bib Fortuna shooting and he's like oh just shoots him and he's like hey everybody else get the fuck out of here I'm in charge kick and he sits down mm-hmm. Fennec starts drinking and he's like it's it's you know what I'm your captain now but you're right th- that was what a great capper because you don't really know why he did that and that to me is interesting to be something to explore from this. So Yeah, and they didn't necessarily seem to make it that they, they were going to make him like the anti-hero either, because I'm like, I love that Fennec and you know him are they're they're bad people. Like they might be right. oh, they yeah. might have good tendencies, but they're bad people. I mean, and, and right. Fennec is just glorious. I will watch anything with her any time <laughs> of the day. She's an amazing character and I dig her. Um, yeah, I dig it. Yeah, the the actress who 
plays her. I can only Ming Na Wen. Ming Na Wen. Yeah. Mulan, the original Mulan, and other roles. Yeah. From Agents of Shield. Yeah. Er, she was in that show as well. Yes. Absolutely fantastic. And the Joy Luck so. and the Joy Luck Club, I believe as well. So, yeah. yeah, a great actress, really good. And as of right now, they we've only got three confirmed act actors in this. Um, the two you mentioned, but Jennifer Beals, Flashdance Lady, really? is in this. You know what mm-hmm. is too funny about that is that you've named two women who, in the last forty years, feel look like they've not aged. <laughs> yes, Cylons. That's what I'm saying. This is the mm-hmm. Star Wars. BSG crossover I've always been dying for. Two silent. <laughs> yes. You notice, uh, you notice that Fennec didn't die. She got robot parts. So yeah. I'm just saying. It could be, it could be something it could be, there. It could be a Cylon thing. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So I've, I've long is- maintained BSG, Star Wars could be the same galaxy. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it doesn't really match up, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> um, we're getting eight episodes of this. <laughs> and as of right now, all we know at this point, it's been confirmed. I'm looking at IMDb. Robert Rodriguez, John Favreau, Dave Filoni, and Bryce Dallas Howard are confirmed directors. But this is really Robert Rodriguez's baby. He was the one that mm-hmm. uh, reintroduced Boba Fett into this. I'm really happy for that. We are getting, though, the the, the, the regulars, I guess you would say. Um, as executive EPs that are doing this, so um, which will be interesting to see if we really if this if this is a lower uh, expectation series where the universe is, isn't on the line, we aren't bringing a lot of cameos again. I'll be very curious to see how they handle this because that's been kind of the big thing with Star Wars lately is. If it doesn't have a ton of cameos, then people, I, I just don't get excited about it. And I would like to see it be one where it doesn't need a lot of cameos and can stand right. on its own. Well, so hopefully it, it can. Has, it already has its own cameo with that. I mean, we already have an established yes. character there. So I don't exactly. feel like they need to try to bring in anything else to get like the old guard of viewers into it. Absolutely. I mean, last season was really hard to top when it comes to fan service of The Mandalorian with Luke mm-hmm. and Boba Fett and Ahsoka Tano. I'd be like, it's like, who else are you going to bring in? I mean, uh, Hammerhead? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Why not? Why not? Oh, my goodness. All right. So, Todd, I, I absolutely love how you capped looking at this next trailer. So, you go. this one's you. You go ahead. <laughs> this one just really... At first, I was so confused. I'm like, what are they doing? Has Disney jumped the shark? And then I learned a little bit more as about this. Company, we, as a company. Just but woo! we have a trailer for Lightyear. So this is basically, think of it this way. In the real world, you know, we have the kids who love all the toys like Woody and Buzz Lightyear and things like that. And we've seen the toy versions of these characters. Well, essentially, now what we're getting, this is the series that inspired the toys of Buzz Lightyear. So just imagine like we had we had the real Star Wars, but then you get the Star Wars toys. So this is the same right. way. This is the real movie that the kids wanted to have toys of, and that's how you get the Buzz Lightyear toy. That's exactly what this is. That um, shit is beyond meta to me. It's like, I'm all the way over here with that. Yeah, it? it's a Pixar film, and this truly feels like a sci-fi film, like an action film, like a Star Wars or a Marvel sci-fi type film. Um, but we've got um, Chris Evans doing the voice acting, which is, once again, an interesting pivot from uh, you know uh, Tim Allen being Buzz Lightyear. So it's a, it's a very unique thing, um, and this is coming out. I'm looking for the date. Um, looking for the date. Uh, June 17 next year, it will be in theaters. And I, when I actually watched the trailer and, and really appreciate it for itself, it looked really cool. So I'm happy. 
I I was surprised and and capping this with um with the stylized version of Starman by David Bowie. Thank you. I know my friend uh, my friend Michelle, who's the biggest David Bowie fan. I know she's on vacation right now down at the DR, so I'm sure she's not seeing this. But oh my god, holy shit! That was that 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 made this for me. And again, Chris Ryan, Captain America, couldn't be more heroic. So that's awesome. So what what was the what was the date that you tossed out there? It's about a year. Uh, June 17 of 2022. Yeah. Oh, not even. So just eight months from now. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm a little I'm a I'm a little apprehensive on this one. Like I love the idea could either be really great or really mediocre. And I guess like when I watched the trailer, because my friend sent it to me and they're like, this looks awesome. And I kept waiting to know more because I just kept seeing like I'm like, he's flying and stuff, and now he's flying some more. And I mean in the shots, it's beautiful. But I just was so confused. I'm like, so this is the, like you were saying, this is the a movie based off of the toy that Andy wanted. So I'm like, are we now, does that mean Andy ex- is supposed to exist somewhere in our world? This is so confusing oh. to me. Oh, Lord. Oh, my right? God. I, like, I, had a, I, I felt like I was having a full-on existential crisis watching this and trying to figure out, like, the, like, timeline and like this is our own multiverse of madness that's going on in our own lives it's not just meta it's just that meta it's the micronauts it's just in yeah i mean and the thing is is that i have a feeling like i i have faith in like in disney as far as just being able to make a very entertaining movie and so i'm sure that it is going to be very entertaining i just don't know what level of entertaining yet it's going to be so i'm just i'm I'm apprehensively excited about it, which I'll probably also say about the next one that we're going to talk about. So, <laughs> yeah. And one last bit on this is there was a animated series on Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. So yeah. what they're essentially saying is that's probably like, if they want to say that's continuity, that's like the Batman, the animated series based on the Tim Burton series. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. the many layers of how you can enjoy it and have fun with it. Kind of like how Batman right. has a Lego Batman movie. <laughs> Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just many layers of weirdness, but this one does look fun. But yeah. the Lego Batman movie really, really worked. I mean, oh my god, that's, that's a classic. Because, so yeah, yeah. Lego Batman was like it, Lego Batman stole the entire Lego movie. I mean that mm-hmm. that was the entire absolutely of it. Absolutely, you are so disappointing. <laughs> Lobster Thermidor, anyone? Oh well. <laughs> uh, absolutely love it yeah so the next one is a little different and charlie i'm not sure if you have any experience with this property katie you as well but cowboy bebop is a anime classic um so one of my favorites charlie doesn't watch anime he's not i know i know the name um i have attempted to embrace anime because miranda's daughter who i'm very close to Loves my hero academia, and I'm like, I'm going to be the cool Uncle Charlie and try to watch it. It's just beautiful. And the Star Wars visions way the fuck over my head. I'm sorry. I care. I just don't get it. But, <laughs> well, I, but I do. But I do care. And let's face it. Doesn't isn't carrying half the battle? Gee, exactly. I uh, tolerate. Well, we we no longer say tolerating, but appreciating people's interests and saying it's okay appreciate to like that. That's fine. I I respect your interest in the series, but very yeah. honestly, uh, Cowboy Bebop is just a very it's 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 the premise is simple. These are three folks, well, four folks that basically mm-hmm. go on a ship and are bounty hunters. They have different members of the crew uh, with an adorable corgi, and they just go out and they Hi. they basically get bounties. And Ein is great, and they've got. 
a lot of wacky characters, but Spike Spiegel's the main character who John Cho is playing. We basically this is the mm-hmm. trailer now for the uh, for the Netflix series, and that's all it is. It's a Bounty Hunters going on adventures, but it's very stylish, very well known for its soundtrack, which is jazz inspired by the opening credits. They played "Fly Me to the Moon" after every episode in a different fashion, uh, but very stylish and fun and just. Um, quirk it, it was it had its quirks but it was a really cool story with an overarching kind of story you get to know the characters really well and they build up the characters so it's that's the premise of it and i was nervous i think as a lot of fans would be that anime has been had a tough time to be adapted into live action a lot of people don't want it now i will say i'm all for it if they make their own mark and make it unique versus a trying to just duplicate it like i always say this like psycho like the new psycho movie um gus van zandt because basically he just remade the thing note for note or watchmen i'm like it's not as good you say psycho that was in like 1998 but yes the 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 remake a shot for shot remake it's like what's the point i i totally agree exactly so this one looks like though it's inspired by it but it's not going to be like it's not going to be have to be tied to it exclusively it's probably going to use the medium in a different way in the shots and i I like it and the cast is very enthusiastic and they nailed a couple things so that's all i'll say i'm excited for it i hope it's good yes and i would say the same thing like having watched um the um cowboy bebop cowboy bebop excuse me was one of the original anime that kind of got me into anime and it's one of those that even people who don't necessarily like anime or you know watch anime will watch and be like, oh, I like that because it's much more of like a found family type of story um, mm-hmm. versus like My Hero Academia, which is very much like we're going to fight and I got to be use my willpower to find more strength and like more traditional kind of soldiers. And overacted and prolonged yeah. scenes that take way too long because, yes, um, I'm going to take my son to actually the My Hero Academia movie for his birthday mm-hmm. on Tuesday because he loves it. And we've seen one movie already. And yeah, so I'm his anime buddy. We go out and, and see movies together. So it's I something mean, I yeah. grew up with. Yeah. I will uh, admit, you know, I, you- I like My Hero Academia. I have watched it. So I can't, I can't I've, say I've, that I'm one of those people. I've seen I've seen one. I really should I should venture more. I really should. I, it's 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 a tough one, Charlie. I mean, it has its yeah. it has its moments, but it is it has those tropes that are like, okay, yeah. You know, um, you just you, yeah. you're trying to bond with a kid, and like this is the thing you like, and you know, I'm trying to be the cool uncle, and so I'm just I'm trying. I gotta hey, try harder. That's all you can do. But you know, I grew up with Robotech, and ro- trying to go back and watch Robotech. That Ooh, that's a hard ask for anybody. Having, so, I was yeah. having that exact conversation with I think April and um, our photographer buddy Joe when we were driving the show. We were doing that, trying to watch GI Joe or Transformers or He Man from the eighties. It's almost it's almost unwatchable. Yeah, it's so and hard. What you need to do is you need to go back and watch the um, remake of She-Ra if you want some He Man because the remake of She-Ra that one is. That's, that's, yeah, that's, I watched a little bit of it. It was it was a definitely a different take. Definitely like mm-hmm. it's it's related, but it's definitely not at all like the original because the original was just silly and. I mean, I remember right. every episode you had to find that creature, Lookie. It says, where's Lookie? Did you find Lookie in the movie? I'm like, come on. <laughs> Unless they brought Lookie back, but who knows? Yeah. But yeah, totally yeah. different. Um, yeah. And it's kind of like the even the remake of the 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 the, the recent He-Man, which actually mm-hmm. did get a new trailer for part two, which I really oh. enjoyed, which was truly okay. a Tila story more so than a He-Man story. So I like how they're mm-hmm. flipping the script on a lot of these things. So uh, yeah. you know, more and to come. Oh, yeah. Yeah, say, um, oh, that with uh, um with Cowboy Bebop, I had originally heard that it was going to be just pretty much like a shot for shot remake. Like they were like, nope, it's just going to be the live action version of the original anime. And I immediately lost full interest in it where I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want that. 
And then reading what the um, like the directors and the writers were talking about of like being inspired by and bringing in villains and you know conflict from the series, but then also taking their own twists on them. I was like, that I'm much more excited about. I still don't love that they haven't shown me I or um, Ed because Ed was my favorite character. Ed's, so Ed's they, a unique character, and that's yeah, going to be like, a hard was, one to pull off. There was almost there was almost a moment where I was like, "Wait, was that Ed?" But if they don't bring back Ed, I think that that's I think that that will be a mistake for them, just because especially the representation that Ed has um, will be really, really like a lot of people will be really, really bummed out by that. Yeah, it's probably going to be saved. I think that just becomes mm-hmm. Ed becomes a character that's just Charlie. The best way to put it is Ed is quirky. Okay. Goofy, quirky, <laughs> a little bit much at times, but it's like, okay, fun, fun character. But All yeah, they play around right. that. And the Corgi is almost the most famous part of the show. So I hear you. Ayn okay. is great. Oh, well. Well, and then we get to the last uh, story, which just dropped today. The right. Morbius trailer, which has been pushed back, finally coming uh, in January. Do we have a real date for that? It's um, January 28th. Uh, This is the next Sony universe of Marvel characters based on Spider-Man. Is that the, what's that? Is that the thing? This one (laughs) in particular, just, yes. It just leaned way too hard, way too hard. There, there was like, well, we haven't seen something like this since that thing that happened in San Francisco. Oh, was it with Venom by any chance? And then he's walking. He walks by a poster of Spider-Man, and it looks like it was even Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Murderer! It was like he just... They, they, I, I think they put too much into it. I think, I think they leaned too hard. It was, a lean, it was like a lean and a half where they spun around in a circle. Oh, compared to the MCU, Charlie, come on. Oh, MCU leans so gonna... hard into it. It's like, come on. MCU doesn't have to. They don't have to. What's the famous uh, Peter Griffin expression about uh, uh, Star Wars? It insists upon itself. It is, yes. Oh, no, The Godfather. He said that about The Godfather in the, one of those Star Wars. Uh, I, I didn't like The Godfather, too. It insists upon itself. That's how I felt about this trailer. <laughs> okay. Well, regardless. It was insisting upon itself, yes. Regardless, Morbius is about Jared Leto playing uh, Michael Morbius. Uh, he basically has a disease. He goes to some jungle. Apparently, getting bit by bats is going to solve his medical issue. And then he gets cursed abilities and powers based on this infection. And at this point, though, this is the first trailer where we really did see, to your point, Charlie, connections to the MCU proper and Spider-Man. We got the vulture. We got the mention of Venom. And even with Morbius saying, I'm Venom. Just kidding. Uh, Yes, it's a lot of tongue in cheek and they're not even like leaving around there. It's like they're all in and Marvel and Sony are bringing this whole thing together. You know, I found a lot of interest in this as a Marvel horror movie. Um, And, you know, we got a real lean at the end of Venom. And I apologize if uh, Katie, if you've not seen it, but there was a strong tie at the end of Venom 2 that Venom took a leap into the into the I wouldn't even call it the six one six universe because it's not. It's like Marvel nine 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 is the MCU. Uh, so he's in the MCU now thanks to a little twist and turn and whatever it is. And of course the multiverse of madness is going to tie back into Spider Man No Way Home. And mm-hmm. so there's an interrelation between that and this that it could all kind of be one and the same. But again, a true Marvel horror film we've not seen it, and that's what this. Looks like it kind of reminds me of shades of like the fly, 
you know, Jeff Goldblum is like, I'm a normal guy and blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to do some sciencey shit. And then all of a sudden I'm a monster. And so I, I kind of got that vibe for it. And I think, you know, I think that that sounds interesting. I probably could have so, said the same. Th- I probably could have said the same thing about Venom, but then you, we saw how that turned out. Yeah. So, Katie. So, Katie, um, what's your thoughts on the trailer? I'm, I'm going to be completely upfront. I am when as soon as I turned this trailer on, I was like, this trailer was not meant for me. This I am not this target audience. I can just tell. Um, I felt like I was watching a trailer for a DCU movie. Like it did Ooh. not feel like a Marvel movie or even like a Sony movie. Now, granted, like I haven't seen um, Let There Be Carnage just because. I've heard that it is like grotesquely violent and it's, you know, it's, we've it's, talked it's, off mic about how I can't handle violence and gore. Yeah. So did you see the like, first Venom? Did you see I, the first Venom movie? I did. And I actually, it's I more love, of the same. Yeah. yeah and very, that's very what I heard is that they just yeah. are like, okay, so we're going to do all of that. Like really grotesque, like crazy over the top gore that we did in the first movie. And we're going to well, like, actually, it's, it's, it's actually <laughs> less violent though. It's actually a PG 13 movie. So they actually really? pared okay. it down. Well, so people don't get impaled and die. They get it. thrown. They got like, <laughs> we, Charlie, if you watch pitch meeting, they, they actually mentioned that. So there's going to be a lot of impaling. They're like, no more like throwing and hitting walls. That works. That works. Yeah. I loved the um, the dynamic of Venom. I, I love Venom as a character, like just this idea of a character that has like kind of no concept of our morality and just being like, why can't I eat them? They're ca- they're annoying. Let let me just eat them. That would solve the problem. But um, I also like um, I don't like Jared Leto just at all. He's never mm. I've never really been a fan of him. So I just was distracted where I'm like, this is Jared Leto. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> So. I know. Yeah, I, I I can't say I'm a huge fan either. So who knows? I I, I kind yeah. of warm up to the concept of a Marvel horror movie, but I you know my other fear is that that Venom Two was so over the top and pointless, and and it was dull. It, part of it was dull that I fell asleep yeah. near the beginning of it. I had April go be like, hey, 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 wake up! And, oh, I was, what? Uh, because it was, it was an odd couple it. movie too, because it was about them having some domestic disputes right. and things like that too so it's just an odd movie this one though i i did feel like okay i see where they're going with it they are making kind of an anti-hero i see where they're going with that too and it, it, sony is trying to set something up with its anti-hero right. villains in a right. way which i i respect them doing that because nobody's done that before we've only had dc with the joker and then we've had suicide squad so really in a way katie maybe it, that's why mm-hmm. it feels dc because it's it's that less jokey over the top heroic thing because these characters are not necessarily heroic so it does feel a little different and a little edgier which marvel doesn't do edgy marvel does more like uh, feel good fun also with heart so yeah yeah and that's i guess like yeah for me and it didn't even really feel like a horror movie for me though it just like felt kind of like a gritty action movie so like i wish i i wish i could have watched it and known where it was going to go because i feel like the trailer didn't really give me a clear vibe as to what movie i would see when i went right. to the theater or what yeah, yeah what he was trying to accomplish yeah and me to see. again like, I, yeah, what's the, the theme yeah i say this with the caveat of watching that trail after done i was done watching that trailer i was like this was not a trailer that was meant for me. This is not a movie that was meant for me. I am not this target audience. So, right. you know, definitely take all of this with a grain of salt. Absolutely. And I'm and maybe sure. this is the long game because we are getting a Blade movie down mm-hmm. the road. You know, these things could come together. And I think Disney wants that to happen. I think they want, yeah, Sony, do your crap, but let's get at least a little organized so we can bring it in. So if eventually, mm-hmm. you know, Disney does get Spider-Man wholly owned that 
they don't have to start again, right? Because last thing right. I do is this is the fifth version of Spider-Man after mm-hmm. a while. And I yes. think the Enter the Spider-Verse was so strong that I think there's so many cool things we could get. So we'll see how it goes. So that is it for the news this week. Trailer Park Edition. So hopefully everyone loved these trailers or enjoyed them or tolerated them or hated them. But we don't know unless you tell us. So reach out to us on Twitter. Me at Tioxtra, if you totally agree, you love me, at the C3. And Katie, I don't know if you want people to tell you why you should love this movie on the Twitters. By all means. I, I actually, I don't have a Twitter right now. Um, I'm not so much on the Twitters. I know. Well, you know what? You can I know, I'm, Facebook. I'm, I can run I'm, against Twitter. I'm, an, I'm I, on Instagram and TikTok. That's where I live. So, I see, there you go, Charlie. So she's, she's totally, she's, she's gone two generations beyond us. Yeah, TikTok, <laughs> I am, Instagram. I am, yeah. really, I'm really bad at Twitter. Um, I dabble in Instagram. I watch TikTok when I'm sitting next to, again, Miranda's daughter. She's like, look at this TikTok. Look at this TikTok. I'm like, ah, you know, so yeah, I just don't get it. It's people yelling and dogs barking and cats meowing. And that's all TikTok to me. It's, 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 it's Vine's uh, successor because Twitter did have Vine, which is short form video went to this and why not? It's like, I don't want to watch a 35 minute YouTube video and watch people do something stupid for 15 seconds. Perfect. Right. Exactly. I want to see a one minute skit about like, you know, a dog. Doing something I saw someone. <laughs> I saw someone today make macaroni and cheese and put raisins in it. How dumb is that? Oh. What? <laughs> I, I, I think if you went to the, you would go to the Hague and be persecuted about uh, with crimes against humanity. It was a culinary crime that someone should go to jail for. But we'll, we'll oh, leave absolutely. it at that. So, so there you go. Unless you like raisins in your mac and cheese, then you know, just unfollow me now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't well. think that that would be a follower you would be sad about losing. Oh, I mean, I'm no, just gonna no, throw that not so there. much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Follow me for my my recipe tips. Not so much. Oh well, that is it for the news. But Charlie, Katie, it's now time for us to take off and take a little respite at our fake ge- favorite geek establishment, and that's the Geek Easy. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. We're sitting in the Geek Easy, cover band's playing, drinks are poor, and we are getting our nerd on. So, Katie, anything you've uh, been watching or reading lately? Um, I have been watching, I have been doing so much reading because I've been um, working on an upcoming exhibit. So, um, I have been watching What We Do in the Shadows, and there is always, always, always an opportunity to rewatch the first and second season of Lower Decks. Like, that is the default for me, is just lower decks all the time anytime oh wow uh you and charlie may have an argument i've only watched really? a little bit of lower the decks um I, charlie has been i charlie's been t- telling me the way it's going it seems like it's turning into more family guy than uh like uh something a little bit more uh I <laughs> sophisticated love the, i love the first season it's not supposed it, to be sophisticated that's the whole well, point we, and you know and then breaking down and it's funny because i have two former co-hosts because my, my show code 47 is in a bit of a transition right now but when i was recording with rich and aaron we we we, we hated season too. We just we couldn't stand it. We felt it was just it was a kind of a gross corruption of, of of Star Trek, and it just didn't make any sense to us. But I would love to hear how somebody loved season two. So I I am all ears. Oh man, well I love the fact that they they kept. I love the fact that it doesn't take itself seriously. I think that's what I love about it is that it doesn't like it. It it will poke fun at the Star Trek universe. And at itself, where it's like, this stuff is kind of crazy. And what we do is kind of crazy. Um, and 
that's what I really enjoy about it. And also, I think the characters are really, really lovable. Like I, I, um, that, that, that I will absolutely agree with. Yeah, because you, you've got kind of this quartet of, you know, really anal weird. It's kind of like a, a little Seinfeldy, you know, in mm-hmm. some ways that they're just quirky and and somewhat like, why can't you just? Why can't any of you just be normal? You know, right. yeah, well, that, that, that I that I will agree with. And I also I I really in, like I enjoy shows where like they kind of they can laugh at themselves, but you're never like laughing at their expense so much. So like mm-hmm. I said, it'll go over the top and it'll be goofy, and you know they'll they'll laugh at you know like Tahata or you know or Tendi, excuse me, and like any yeah. of those guys, and you know you've got all of that kind of fun stuff, but it's never something where like there's harm or something that's coming to their character. Like it doesn't have so much office humor. It's more like parks and rec humor, if that makes sense where you're laughing with them, not at them. Yes. And I, yeah, I, like I, I kind of felt the same. I felt opposite. Cause I'm like the, the main character, what is his name? Mariner. What is this? Mariner. Uh, Mariner that's a uh, boy. Boimler. Boimler yeah. and Mariner. The main Cause the Boimler is the butt of all the jokes and they are making fun of them. I always felt like that's right. so one note. I'm like after a while, I'm like, and then they've got the one character who's the, the, the offshoot. And she always does the thing, crazy things and does the thing. I'm like, I get tired of her character so fast. I'm like, she does the same crap all the time. I'm like, I just found her annoying more than endearing, but I like the other characters. Yeah, I think, well, and that, I think, did you say that you watched all of season one or just part of like the first part of season one, but I felt like the first six episodes, I'm like, it's the same stuff repeated over. Like this formula is kind of bankrupt in a way. I liked some of the things, but I'm, and I'm, and I like Star Trek. I don't love everything Star Trek, but I saw I, I didn't have like the nostalgia like Charlie would be able to point out things. So I saw it. I'm like, yeah. but yeah, and, and it's by the Rick and Morty crew. But I like mm-hmm. I said, it felt like more like family guy humor versus like great humor. Kind of like the what is it? The uh, the the one show with Scott Star, uh, McFarlane where he does a Star Wars uh, Star Trek like show. And I'm like, they have very similar humor oh, levels. So uh, the, yeah, the Orville. You think about the Orville. Yeah, Orville. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that's just my take. But I, but I, that's yeah. cool to hear that somebody else finds something endearing about it. So we all have a little bit of different thoughts on it. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, what we do in the shadows? I am not caught up, but I've been yeah. loving this season. I yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't start, but I did watch last season and I loved it. And this was a movie that Todd and I, whenever Todd and I gather uh, for either C two E two or Wizard, we're like, let's watch a movie. And I'm fucking I'm asleep after twenty minutes, so I know we put this movie on like five years ago when we went to a show and I slept through it. So I suppose I should revisit. Um, but I did watch a show. My friend, uh, uh, Candy McFarland sweets, who's a pretty famous cosplayer here in the state. She loves this shit. She's like, you gotta watch it. You gotta watch it. So great show. I, I did watch it and I did enjoy the first season, but I I've yet to catch up again. Oh yeah. And it only, it only gets better. Like, um, I especially love because it seemed in these later seasons, uh, Colin Robinson, the energy sucking vampire has become more of a mainstay character and they seem to be developing his character more. And I, I absolutely, I don't know why I think he's so entertaining. Like the actor who plays him is just fantastic, but I don't know what it is about him. But every time he's on scene, I'm just, I always am laughing. He's so great. The, the Nadia doll. Is oh, great yes. as well. Oh. Yes, I just what watched. I just watched the episode where she. I don't want to give away spoilers, but the the Nadia doll was definitely the main character. One of the main. Characters uh, that was now. the last episode I saw yeah. as well. <laughs> that is was that very like, funny. Is that like some kind of weird, like Annabelle, like vessel, or kind in of, a way, yeah. yes. In yeah, a way, well, yes. It's very good. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. It's okay. a, it's classic. Love it. And this and the way they've transitioned the seasons where they're at now is just it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, nice. really good. good deal. 
Cool. Well, I, I will have to endure. Well, I will. I will grab the helmet, Todd. I know you're going to uh, talk a little bit about this one as well because you said you just watched it this evening. But uh, pivoting on the Star Trek uh, animated spin, we had a new program this week. I'm actually not talking about this on Code Forty Seven right now because I'm doing. I have a guest stint with uh, my friend Paul Moderman, who I'm kind of walking through some classic stuff. So we're not really touching on current, but that's going to change in upcoming weeks with the show. But right now, we just got a drop of Star Trek Prodigy uh, over on Nickelodeon, which also subsequently streams onto uh, Paramount Plus. Uh, now, Quinn, you said you've not yet engaged in this yet. Is that correct? No, I have not. I am very excited to, though, just because I love Janeway. And I heard the news that she was going, or that um, the Katie, is it Katie? Is Catherine uh, uh, Janeway or there you uh, go. Uh, Kate, Kate Mulgrew. Yeah, Kate, Kate Mulgrew. Mulgrew. Yeah, that she was going to be coming back to voice Janeway. And I was like, yes, 100%. Yes. I don't care what it is. I will watch it just it because take- I love her and I love Janeway. And the irony is, is that of the Star Trek shows, Voyager is the one that Todd hates the most. Uh, so we will not, we will not, I, I will not, um, I will not hit that particular bee's nest with a baseball bat. In all fairness, well, I like the character. I just did not like the series. Yeah, I like I, I like Janeway. I thought she was a good character. Yeah, I do believe. Uh, like- yeah, I, I do believe of the characters on the show of compelling. She was like maybe one of the only three, so I agree that, that a lot of the rest of it was kind of candid. And I, I and my my old riff, I, I always sound like she sounded like Catherine Hepburn. So, Mister Tuvok <laughs> from On Golden Pound. Exactly. Yes, yes. But anyway, you know this is this is a fun show. Uh, it kicked off with kind of a two part. Because uh, it was labeled parts one and two, and I think it ran sixty minutes. I'm trying to forty five. When I looked at it, yeah. it was like forty five minutes. So two episodes, twenty two minutes yeah. long each. Yeah. It, th- there you go. Exactly. So uh, we're set with just, an, and I'll just give you kind of trailer worthy stuff, so it's not spoiling for you, Katie. But you. it was, um, you know, we we're, we're looking at a prison planet. It's positive as being in the Delta Quadrant. You see a familiar Voyager race known as the Kazon, uh, which puts this. Is a little Star Trek trivia. We'll, we'll put this closer to the. The far end of the Delta Quadrant, because again, that's what's posited uh, in the early part of Voyager. So we know that this is not close to the Federation. It's very far away. Um, but you have this uh, doll who is this purple spiky headed alien wanting. He's a young kid. He wants his freedom. He reminds you a lot of Aladdin. He reminds you a lot of the kid from Star Trek Rebels, whose name is escaping me, who basically was Aladdin. Uh, oh. You know, the one I'm you know, the one I'm yeah. talking about. Yes. Um, um. No, I can't remember his name either. I, we're, we're all going to be screwed to remember his name. because, and, and as a Star Wars guy, I should remember. But anyway, he's he's fighting for freedom. He enlists, uh, enlists some friends along the way, weird aliens, uh, one of the prison guards. And what they what they find in this, this mine prison that they exist in is a Starfleet vessel. What is it doing there? Who the hell knows? They do manage uh, to escape by the end of it, which, again, I'm not spoiling it. It's in the trailers. I hope I'm not spoiling it. But at the very conclusion of this 45-minute episode, you do discover that there is an ECH, an emergency command hologram, which is in the persona of Catherine Janeway, who is going to be another character on the ship. So you got a crew of weird aliens. You're in the Delta Quadrant. You have a Janeway hologram, and that was the end of the first broadcast. Wow. It's great. Something that we talked about you know, clearly over on Code 47 is that you can understand... From a marketing standpoint, 
kind of why why the people at Paramount want to do this. They want to do the old, you know, it's funny, Tad was talking about Mr. Tuvok, get me a cigarette. This is like, you know, Philip Morris trying to say, here, kids, try cigarettes. They're trying to get the young people hooked on Star Trek, and I like that. And <laughs> they, they made a valiant effort for it. Uh, this is 1,000% different than Lower Decks, thank God, because you don't want to show that to your kids. Oh, definitely um, not. <laughs> yeah. or, or the prior Star Trek animated series from the 1970s, which was just like everything that you hated about He-Man, factor that up by about 1,000 and minus 10 years of production, and then you get Star Trek animated series because it's practically unwatchable. Um, so this was a lot of fun. Uh, it drops every Thursday over on Paramount+, Plus, so it gets my recommendation and Todd you watched it as well so what did you think yes um this is what I think Star Trek need to do because this is essentially opening Star Trek to everyone because if you didn't say Star Trek in the title you wouldn't even know this is Star Trek until the very like middle to end of the show some of the race races it wasn't apparent like they the Kazon yep I kind they kind of look different because obviously you're seeing them in an animated form this kind of reminds me of the animation style of of Rebels in a way mm-hmm. so uh, but I think it's actually a little bit better um, the I thought the action and the animation like when they're moving was better than Rebels as well I thought it was more believable felt less like uh, rigid um, I thought the writing was really good the characters they brought in were very fun and the way they in- now the one thing I don't know and they'll probably explain uh, you know the one big thing that we discovered in the show I don't know how it just happened to be there so that's something Charlie we can talk about offline maybe I missed <laughs> it but I mean but but it was interesting doing two parts to actually get kind of a no cliffhanger, just kind of get you to where they're going. Basically, this ends, the first two episodes ends where you're going to be in the main thrust of the show, which I thought was really cool. Right. I like this a lot, and I like that we do have this one character that will be guiding them and instructing right. them. They're all younger, except for the engineer who seems a little bit of a older dude. Right. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Yeah, and there's really no way to explain off the cuff why this advanced... Federation Starship would be as exactly far as, as far out as Voyager was when the series started because the Kazon, who played a, a significant factor in this episode, were only seen in episodes uh, or seen in seasons one and two. And then Voyager, I always like to refer people to the map behind me. If Voyager was here, the Kazon were here, and the show ended down here. So hmm. the, Voyager was just on a straight path. So that's why you didn't see the Kazon anymore. Sure, they moved out of their home two, area. They yeah. Moved, yeah, they moved out of their home area. So this is obviously very, very, very far away from the Alpha Quadrant and from the United Federation of Planets. So why, how did that Starfleet ship get there? Who knows? And what? why would there be a Janeway hologram? And to nitpick even further, why would there be a different Starfleet badge that she has on? That marketing, Charlie. There's always something marketing. new to start. There's always new outfits and things with you. Every episode, we got new uniforms because we have to. Versus, it's a long history of the same uniform. No, we can't do that. We're going to change every five years. Military hates any change, so this is weird. Start well, Todd, yeah. you just remind yourself again how many uniforms as a cosplayer I own. That number is currently seventeen. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, I I, I did like the villain they introduced and like the sidekick villain. Right. Seemed far more Star Wars than I was expecting, but very compelling, very cool. I like the series, and this feels more like an Avatar The Last Airbender in the way they're doing their storytelling, which is one of the more compelling animated series for a long time. So this is, feels like, to me, 
a different approach and it's not tied to nostalgia like the Star Wars animated stuff is right now. So I like that. So going bravely forward, and that's the new era of Star Trek. Do new stuff. Because, right. you know, living in the past, you're going to just not exactly bring in new fans. So I like this too. Very cool, Charlie. Yeah, I think this is a great new addition. Exactly. Yeah, All right, Todd. T- I'm sorry, Quinn, go ahead, please. Oh, I was just to say, I, I love that both of you have mentioned Rebels on your own right and, you know, Avatar The Last Air- Airbender because... Like that has just made me more excited to watch it because if there's one thing that I absolutely love about the Star Wars universe is their animated like series and TV shows. So right, if, it's, if I'm getting a little bit of that kind of feel with the character development and you know storytelling, but in a Star Trek universe, I am 100% on board. There's nothing wrong with that. I, yeah. would, I would absolutely love, Katie, if you would be willing, once you watch this, to come on my show on Code 47 and talk about it. So I'm going to yes. extend that invitation right there now <laughs> because I would like that very much. I don't know. I've been I've been throwing out controversial opinions. You might want to find out how the Twitter sphere feels about me before you put me on your other podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> Char- yeah. Charlie needs some controversy. Charlie I needs do. some controversy on the show. That, yeah, I do. I do. Let's let let's get that let's get that figured off off book. Let's definitely do that. But anyway, all right, Todd, take us take us home before we get into the main meat of the Thunderdome. Absolutely. So I'm going to end on you know we're we're just getting post Halloween, but that's kind of watched a lot of Halloween themed stuff over the weekend. Um, and Disney Plus was a surprise to me that I said you know what I just want to dig in. Um, there was a new Muppets Halloween special this year called the Muppets Haunted Mansion. This. Mm-hmm was one of the best Muppets thing I've ever seen. It's fantastic. Essentially, Gonzo and Pepe the Prawn are going to a mansion to compete for a prize. Will Arnett is their spooky host, and they're actually in the Haunted Mansion like ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if yeah. you're familiar with that and the way it works, and you go down the mm-hmm. elevator. and the, so, But it's playing with all of the tropes. It's got a lot of... like. Uh, guest stars that you know who they are. Darren Chris uh, from Glee was one of the characters. Uh, Nicole Yvette Brown was the limo driver. Uh, like I said, Will Arnett already, and just lots of different um, uh, cameos. A lot of the Muppets characters are playing ghosts of themselves and doing things like that. But they just really embraced what makes the Muppets great. Cheese, just cheesy jokes, dad jokes, mm-hmm. puns, okay. going all in on it, but having fun, some music. Uh, Traji P. Henson, Henson played a really cool character. Um, just really, really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, after all these years, I still can't get over the the voice of Kermit. seems like they just can't nail that voice, even though I think it's been like four or five different characters. So I hope they'll find yeah. somebody to do it. But, um, you know, everybody else sounds great and everything yeah. was was so much fun. So um, they did some uh, they did was that song Dancing in the Moonlight and they had Oh, that uh, would be the that would be the Sanford Townsend band for uh, from your music expert here. Yeah, so they did a lot of music as well. Very fun. Just if you want to watch it, I think it's like 45 minutes long. It's so good. And I could see this being like a continual thing. And everybody talked about this and it was so good. So I'm like, I'm glad they're making the Muppets matter at Disney because mm-hmm. they've been uh, basically almost uh, in, in endangered species on right. the Disney yeah, Todd, properties. Todd has without a doubt been an advocate of it. He, he was like, why aren't the Muppets on? The Muppets, the Muppets, the Muppets. He's just been fighting for him this whole, the whole long while. So, you know, yeah. the, you know, the Muppets need a friend like you. So I got Absolutely. You. Another character that they're finally rehabbing is Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse has essentially become like this, like, 
I won't say neutered character where he has no personality anymore. He's like a mm-hmm. spokesman and doesn't do anything cool. Well, in the last like five years, they've really brought out this new animated series with Mickey and Donald and Pluto, the core characters, along with the, the nephews and things like that, and really reinvented them. It's been great. And they made a fantastic Halloween special called The Scariest Story Ever Told. And it was just riffing on the fact that, Mickey, you're not a scary guy. You're not You're not edgy. You're not. So- and he tells everyone the scariest story ever, and it's excellent. Really good. The animation style is a little quirky, but it just, it just feels like more like Cartoon Network took it over mm-hmm. rather than classic Disney. So if, if you want to see that as well, it's very fun, very, you know, very PG stuff, but I think they're playing with the medium and playing on those characters and just having a, a, a lot of fun. One of my favorite cartoons of all time is where um, the witch takes on Donald because he pranked his, his nephews. And this feels very much like in that mindset of just Disney having fun with his core characters. So there you go. Yeah. It definitely felt like when I watched the haunted mansion, um, cause we watched that while we were carving pumpkins um, and it felt kind of like a promo for the Haunted Mansion ride, but I wasn't angry about that. Like it, like you were saying, there's literally one point where they make a dad joke and then they explain the joke and then a ghost comes up and goes, don't worry, we're not going to explain all the jokes. Like it was just so many, like you were saying, like just so much classic Muppet going on. And I mean, like my favorite probably Christmas movie and one of my favorite movies is the Muppet Christmas Carol so it's like if I can have like a Halloween Muppet thing, I'm 100% here for it. And I thought, yeah, I agree. I thought it was absolutely hilarious and just very classic Muppet vibes to it. My favorite part, though, was you had those uh, that was it a skeleton and a mummy. They kept going, dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. <laughs> Loved it. Oh, I did it again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I walk around absolutely saying it all the time. I love it. It's It's my favorite. It's my favorite. Yes. So that is it for the Geek Easy. Hopefully everybody had a good time. But, you know, it's time to pay our bill. Unless somebody is scant on money, we can, you know, Katie, distract them and we'll run away. I'm sure they won't make you wash the dishes. No, I'm not doing that. I don't wash dishes. Well, you know what? Uh, You know, I'm sure you could hit him, do a Tanya Harding, hit him in the shin and run away. (laughs) There you go. Good stuff. All right. So here we go. Yeah. So now it's time for us to take our vacation to a great destination where the mutants are crazy, they've all been vaccinated, and that's the Thunderdome. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome! Thank you, Tina! We're sitting in the Thunderdome where the mutants have been gathered for a topic or game to be entertained. And this week, we are going to do our review of Dune 2021. Spoilers are ahead, folks, so go see the movie. It's on HBO Max. It's in theaters, and I'd highly recommend seeing it on theater and not a tablet like a certain co-host did. No. <laughs> oh, yes. It was an odyssey. So I have a Roku, which I'm feeling very strongly about dumping for Apple TV because yes. Roku, Roku, Roku yes. fucking sucks, okay? Yes. They're cheap. They're disposable. It's like... It's like the Bic 2 razor blade. Well, Apple TVs are like 4X razor. the price. So it's like, yeah, they should be more reliable, right? That but, I just, but, I will, but, but Apple but TV I, does not have the, the level of amount of supported apps, I would say. That, so that's that the only correct. difference. But, yeah. But anyway, I brought this up. I'm like, all right, you know, April and I wanted to go see this in the theater. Life got in the way. We had a thing here. We had a thing there. We had a show last weekend. You know, I just started a new job. There's a bunch of different shit going on. So we did not make it to the theater to see this movie. So I'm like, 
and April April's taking this class right now online to become a software developer. So there's just there's a lot of shit going on. So I finally said, babe, I gotta watch this movie without you. I'm sorry. I'm gonna watch it on HBO Plus. She's like, fine, just tell me if it's any good. I go to watch it. Roku won't play it. You know you could cast it from your phone, put it on the TV. Well, mm-hmm. just don't jump ahead in my story, dickhead. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. I try to play it. I do the unplug. I do the reboot. And I'm like, fuck. So I get my tablet. I start watching it that way. And I stumble upon, I, like, it says airplay. So I airplay mm-hmm. it. I airplay it to my Roku. So the Roku's playing the movie, but it won't play it from the HBO app. So I, I did finally get to watch it on my TV, but... What a fucking odyssey it was to watch this movie. Oh, my God. I couldn't even believe it. It's like, I will ah. say, Charlie, get the Roku Ultra. It is the best device you can get for like 60 bucks, 70 bucks. I, 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 it's not I, the cheap I, stick. It's not cheap. It's a standalone device. It is a well, fantastic. It's my favorite streaming device ever. I have the box. The no, the, box. the Ultra. The Ultra is the best thing on the planet. Uh, whatever. All right. Anyway, we're talking because I'm just like played off your Xbox or played up, and then I'm like, oh, they. Uh, I, you guys are well, gamers. Yes, Charlie has it. No, Charlie has a PlayStation Four though. He could play it off that. There's an HBO I, on app on that too. Yeah. I do, but it's in it's in the basement on the little TV. Right. So anyway, oh, well. I I digress. There we go. <laughs> and his TV is a smart TV, so he could actually do it off the the Google uh, as well. There's many ways to skin this perverted cat. I didn't even think about that. Charlie, I, I said oh, I'm well. disappointed in you. Tech chat. I, I, we're going I, on. I, yes. I, I I I have. I don't. I don't have. A, I, this is the Charlie. I don't Charlie is on. like Charlie. I'm Charlie's tech support at times. So, and his wife is heavily into tech too. So, uh, but yeah, whatever. We're moving well, yeah, on. You, you make me sound like I'm living in a cave pushing berries up my nose. That's not what's happening here, Charlie. You make me Charlie, look stuff you up have for a you. Smart TV, and you didn't know to download the HBO app. <laughs> I'm just gonna get. Hold on. I'm gonna get under the TV. I'm gonna get under Charlie. the table here. Okay, I'm out. Char- Charlie, you ask me to look things up for you, and you ask me to remind you things constantly. Hey, tell me that thing. So you know what? We know your tech level at this point is at this level, so that's okay. We support right. you. Yes. I'm going uh, on mute. I'm going on mute. I'm done. I'm done. We both know you oh, well. can't go on mute. We both know that's, so, not, that's a lie. So we're going to pivot from tech chat to oh, Dune yeah. 2021. Paul Atreides, a, bil- a brilliant, gifted young man, born into a des- great destiny beyond his understanding, must travel to the most dangerous planet in the universe to ensure the future of his family and his people. As malevolent forces explode into conflict over the planet's exclusive supply of the most precious resource in existence, only those who can conquer their own fear will survive. Um, and first spoiler um, is this is Dune Part 1 as I actually say in the beginning of the movie. So that's oh, funny because oh, oh. a lot of people didn't realize that. And Todd, you, you already predicted in our chat earlier before we started where they're off to when, when the movie ends. Yes, yes. Do? Yes, I will talk about the comparison to one of my favorite trilogies of all time as well. Uh, very comparative to it. But uh, Dune, uh, this is directed by Dennis Villanueva. Uh, I think this how you pronounce it. I probably killed it. Um, and then Timothy Chalamet. Dennis because I don't know Dennis. Denise. Denise, <laughs> yes. Um, uh, Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, nice. Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skargard, uh, Dave Bautista, Stephen McKinley, Henderson? Somebody has a one name named Henderson. Not sure. Uh, Zendaya, Chang Chen, Shannon Duncan Brewster, Charlotte Rampling, Jason Momoa, and Javier 
Bardem, who I totally forgot was in this movie as well. Yeah, so that, there you really, go. that really got slid in there. That's for sure. Absolutely. So this game, this movie was actually uh, was just jam packed with stars about two and a half hours long. Um, you know, this is a movie that everyone said you should see it on the big screen possible, which I did down in uh, Lakeville, Minnesota. It's the monster screen. Huge. Uh, oh, I enjoyed I, it that I, way. I really- I really, really wanted to, and I, I kicked myself, and I think what's going to happen, I enjoyed it so much, I think I'm now going to take April to see it, you know, on the big screen, um, because I think it's totally worth it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And Katie, how oh, did wow. you see the movie? So um, we actually went to the Getty Drive-In. Ooh, I do, um, I do like that. The last thing I saw at the Getty was The Empire Strikes Back. That yes. Awesome. That cool. is, yeah, that is my spouse's and I kind of go-to thing when we want to go to the movie, because then, um, like... As I have mentioned before, I have ADHD, so me sitting quietly in one space for too long can get kind of difficult. So I can usually make commentary, or if I'm making commentary, or if I need to get up and fidget or walk around a little bit, I'm not interrupting anyone, so it just feels really great for me. Um, The only downfall that we had watching it um, at the Getty is that the projectors aren't great for dealing with darker scenery, and this movie had Mm. a lot of very dark scenes to it, so I know there are moments that I missed that I'm really excited to go back and rewatch just on our screen at home off of HBO, just so I can see the stuff that I missed. And I will say this too. I saw it with Dolby Atmos or whatever the greatest sound. The sound is fantastic. The movie and the feel of it. Oh, yeah. uh, unfortunately, driving theaters, you're getting it from what your TV, your, your car speakers or the little boxes inside. Right. Well, let me tell you the most amazing thing is like when they were doing the voice, because I'm going to preface this with something. I did not know what Dune was about. Really? This. Now, okay. kind of like I knew that Dune was a book that was a, had a huge impact on the sci-fi community. I knew that it was award-winning. I knew that it was, you know, critically acclaimed. And I knew that there had been a movie that had been made in like 87, I believe. 84, um, right, Charlie? 80, 80, yeah. We saw it last, Charlie. 80, 80, 84. And it's funny because yeah. I did just recently watch it. And yeah. We- we were like, I really hope the new one's better than this because it was <laughs> right. But the thing is, I was I was born in eighty five, so yeah. Oh and my God. I, again, I which, grew up- which makes you which makes you ten years younger than Todd. <laughs> so there we go. Well, but, and da- and David Lynch directed that film, so just take yeah. it. If you know anything about David Lynch, yeah, it's just exactly. weird as hell. It's yeah. So yeah. He's a a whack a nut without a doubt. Yeah. I wasn't able to watch kind of like the classic sci-fi movies like Tron, Blade Runner, you know, Dune growing up. So as these movies have been remade, like with Tron and Blade Runner, I went back and watched the source material and learned about it and then went and watched the new movies. So with this one, I was like, you know what? I don't want to know. I know the premise of like, I know that it's in space. I know that there is a planet of sand. That's all I really know about it. And I don't want to know anything else because I want to be able to see this with fresh eyes. And so I really, really enjoyed it. And going into it um, at the car in my vehicle um, with the drive-in, when they did the voice in that reverberation. Oh, yeah. That was cool. The face actually like shook my doors, which was really great because it actually gave me enough. Yeah. It was kind of like sitting in those seats, like the really super fancy seats that you have in the theater where I was able to like really kind of feel it in my bones as they said it. So it was a really amazing kind of effect that I wouldn't have been able to get into a theater. So I probably wouldn't have traded the experience for it. No, no, you, you got your seat (laughs) rumbling in my theater. The seat was rumbling because they use those heavy bass in the seat or stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Either way you see it, but yeah, unless you, I would say at home, you're, unless you have a good surround sound, 
yeah, you're I'm not probably going to have a lesser home. experience yeah. as well. Exactly. Yeah. Where I've got like true, ridiculous true. subwoofer by my, by my couch. So, but um, yeah, so in just a little history, this was kind of determined to be the series that just could not deliver a great film because it's kind of hard to adapt. It's very dense. It's very long. There's actually six movie uh, books in the Dune mm-hmm. series by Frank Herbert came out in 1965. It was influential to George Lucas and star Wars and star Trek in a way. Uh, so a lot of things really helped, uh, pen that type of influence and really since then there was one sci-fi uh miniseries that i actually found really interesting and good from 2000 i would recommend maybe checking out with this which is longer obviously it's a miniseries mm-hmm. um but maybe that's going to be kind of a closer companion than the actual movie which is just once again david lynch directed that movie very odd and put off a lot of people Absolutely. So we got this movie. And I mean, the premise is really, it's all about politics. We have an empire, we have houses, the house Harkonnen has basically controlled uh, Araxis, uh, which is the most valuable resource in the world or universe empire Mm -hmm. Uh, it's the spice it allows interstellar travel without that commerce everything halts yeah and and i got mixed up thinking about like why does everybody love spice so much because i I think about star wars and spices and narcotic and i thought well this is a riff on that but it's i was so lost watching that thank you puppy uh i was so lost watching that that i didn't um i didn't make the connection but yeah it was you're right. It always always really boils down to a lot of real world stuff, which is you hear, you know, Oscar Oscar Isaac's character as the head of, of House. Uh, I was going to say Atreyu, Atreides, Atreides, uh, Atreyu, yeah. uh, talking about the fact that oh, you know what's going to happen if I don't get this uh, shit going again? It's going to come down to my nuts. And I know, I know, remember this, you know, the one character who's saying, well, you know, I don't really give a shit. This doesn't really matter to me, uh, mm. which is funny because you've got. You know the 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 engine the engine of economy and industry and then the the engine of what the common people think about that, which is like, you know what, people have come and gone, and we're still going to be here. Uh, I found I found that particular segment to be kind of kind of uh, kind of compelling. Yeah, so very much like Game of Thrones, a lot of politics because the Empire then decides that. The Harkonnens, who could not come to uh, live peacefully with the Fremen, who are the people that live on this planet, um, you know, and it's a very dangerous planet, hot, it's a desert, um, to, to mine the spice, then you have to avoid these 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 worms and it's very difficult to do so um, but eventually decided that the House Atreides would then be in charge of taking over the planet and mining it and forming relations with the Fremen and along the way you then find out there's actually the emperor, which we don't see in this movie, um, is actually fearful of House Atreides and them growing in their ambition. Mm-hmm. What will they do? So you get to see a lot of political intrigue um, and you get to see some relationships with our main characters and how this is going. And once again, there's like even, a, 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 you know, allusions to the Middle East with like oil in a way mm-hmm. that a lot of they, they felt like Frank Herbert was taking in and, and basically uh, the kind of the, the machinations with controlling oil, like controlling the spice. So a lot of things here on the vine, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an in-depth movie. We, it was two and a half hours long and we know we are getting part two, which is approved and a potentially there's even potential to do a part three, which mm-hmm. I made illusions. This felt like Lord of the Rings with part one, the fellowship where it's like, well, they finally know what they're going to do at the end of the first movie because it was really compelling to get you to now things really are going to move forward. 
So, you know, I, I kind of gave my thoughts on this and I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was really well done. I mean, there's a lot of things that are kind of really confusing to a lot of people like the force fields. Why did they use those? Well, apparently they use those because uh, they use like energy weapons and that's what the, the, the force fields can stop. But if you use like handheld weapons, if you use in a force, they can go through the shields. So that's why they went to like handheld weapons. Well, oh, and gotcha. like it was so great to see that because I really appreciate a movie that shows and doesn't tell. And I feel like the way that they went about explaining a lot of things was very much like that. And again, coming at this without really knowing a ton of what was going on. Like there's just very two very quick scenes of, you know, Paul trying that blade against his hand and being like, bam, bam. And then just pressing slowly. And you see that force field turn around. And you're like, okay, cool. So this is how this works. Great. I love this. You don't have to go in and explain it to me a bunch. Um, And I, I really appreciated that because it's so dense. They were assuming that you were smart enough to kind of like, they didn't feel like they had to hold your hand or Dennis didn't feel like they had to hold your hand while they were taking you through the motions. And I really, really appreciated just the visuals of it because there were so many times where watching it, I was like, I'm watching a horror movie right now, or I'm watching like a nature documentary, like all of the scenes with the sandworms and these like beautiful scopes that they're showing of like the, the sand scenery. I felt like I was watching planet earth, like as these sandworms are coming out and, you know, doing their sandworm thing, like, Sandwormen. Yeah, they were, you know, they were just living their best life as giant 400 meter <laughs> sandworms. <laughs> they were just trying to get their uh, vitamin, yeah. they were trying to get iron in their diet by eating yeah. all of the, the, the harvesters. Yeah. Worms got a worm, you know, it's just how it goes. But right. I, in a lot of movies, when you have something that is that behemoth, there's a lot of times where it's almost created as like an antagonist to. We're like it's like oh they're purposely going after the protagonist for some reason even though like it's an it's an animal they don't have like it didn't care that it was Paul it didn't care that it was you know a spice machine it was just doing what it needed to do and so I can really appreciate Dennis's view of that where it felt much more like you were just caught in this kind of, like Paul was just kind of caught in this machine of nature versus it being something that was purposely out to get him because he was like the chosen one type of stuff. Yeah, and, and, and the movie, it delved into some, like, you know, science fiction, mm-hmm. some of the, 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 the artistry they used with developing some of the vehicles, like the, I forgot what they called them, but they looked like dragonflies. Very interesting yeah. use oh, yes. of the technology and interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, raptors. Yeah. Yeah, this raptors. I would, uh, and if I could get this movie to play again, I would love to watch it again. But, yeah, I think I might take April uh, to see it. Uh, if we can, again, we have Grand Rapids Comic Con this upcoming weekend, which is a mm-hmm. four-day event for us. So we're going to be, when we take the day before and the day after, after, because we, we were exhibitors, we run a booth, so it's going to be nuts. Um, mm-hmm. But at some juncture, I would absolutely love to take her to see it, because I would like to have that immersive, no distractions. Again, and Quinn, like you, I, ha- I have ADD, so I get super easily distracted. I get a little bit overstimulated. But finding myself in that environment where I could appreciate it kind of one-on-one, I think would be pretty great. So I'm, I'm kind of committed to that. Yeah. So another part of this movie that was a little bit probably confusing and maybe people didn't figure out was the Bene Gesserit, um, which oh, in a lot of ways, which it's a very strange name. You probably had to look at like, how, what are they saying? So um, in a lot of ways, it, like you could see almost where Lucas may have gotten inspiration for the Jedi with this, this, this group. 
that could essentially use these abilities to control others. And that was really well done, I thought, with the way they, mm-hmm. his mother kind of trying to raise potentially the next, you know, I, I guess messiah that the Fremen right. could uh, could hope to potentially save them. And that's a lot. And it was also then you saw his anger about saying, so you essentially wanted to just create a messiah? So there's a little bit of a familial, especially with the dad and the mother saying, are, are, are you going to protect him? Meaning, is the Bene Gesserit going to protect him too? So it's just really a lot of interesting dynamics too. Well, and I will say like my, I think the the part that clinched it for me as far as me saying, oh, I love this movie um, is again, I'm a very visual person. I have, a, while I do not have a degree in cinematography by any means, I do have a degree in visual like media or visual arts. Um, and as again, we have spoken about, I do not do well with horror or like violence. So I have kind of subconsciously trained myself to watch a movie and know when the director is setting up for violence. So watching this scene with Jessica, um, Paul's mom and Paul, after he finds out like he's like that he was basically the culmination of a millennia long breeding program (laughs) to come up with like this Messiah-esque character. All of the scenes in that conversation are setting it up like something horrible is going to happen to Jessica. Because if you watch those scenes, she they're showing like full body shots of her, which when you're having a conversation in cinematography, there's no reason to show a full body shot unless there's something happening to that person's body. So as soon as those scenes started coming, my brain immediately went, wait, what have they shown me that can jump out in the shadows and get her? And I realized this was building up all of this anxiety because I was expecting something to happen to her because in cinema, like in movies, that's usually what happens. That's when in Game of Thrones, the dragon comes out of the shadows and snatches you away or, you know, someone decap- gets decapitated because there's always something lurking in the shadows. But it wasn't. It was just a conversation they were having. And it was just Paul, you know, confronting his mother about all of these things that he didn't know and all of these political intrigues that were happening that he was completely ignorant of and learning all of this stuff about how he was basically a pawn in this hundred year, you know, spy mission. And it really gave me an appreciation for the cinematography and again, how um, the director had set this up to kind of underpin what emotions he was trying to convey to the audience. It was it was really compelling, and to your point of like horrific, in the Dune movie from '84, Charlie, you can attend to this. Sting was a Harkonnen. You had what's his name, <laughs> the one guy that had the red hair, and he just had some pimples on his face, could fly. The Harkonnens in this movie, though, they were right. creepy albinos who were just right. And wasn't uh, that, that was that was uh, that was Skarsgård, wasn't it? Wasn't that? It uh, was, and he. He yeah. they, they, the, the body they gave him and he actually wanted to be nude in more scenes. I'm like, nobody <laughs> wants nor nudity with, with him in it, please. Nobody needs more naked Skarsgård. I just saw one of the Skarsgårds uh, in a movie that we watch, a horror movie we watch. Should talk about this, the geekies. We watched the horror movie Orphan. Which I had oh no the that orphan was, ah! that was so <laughs> jacked but yeah at the end of that spoiler alert, a thirty seven year old Romanian woman playing a child Charlie who knew <laughs> she was born she was and they showed she was born in seventy six she's the same age as me it yeah was just yeah it was jacked, but in the end of it she killed them all except for Verna Farmiga so and sorry, they have an sorry, origin sorry. movie coming out of the orphan but that's a sidebar not this they do Charlie crazy <laughs> as it is okay. yeah it's I I, I heard that twice. I never watched the movie but I. When I read the spoiler, I'm like, you gotta be 
effing me. I, I had seen I had seen the poster like one of those you scroll past and you're like oh maybe and, and so we were it was last weekend or something or other we were like oh we were really wild. that was movie was jacked oh my god oh yes, yeah Skarsgård Skarsgård I will acknowledge yes. I. I started laughing so hard when uh, Skarsgård sh- stood up because he was like in his little seat and like he ends up being like, you know, Floating. 10 feet tall or something. Yeah. And all yeah, I could think did. about was every short dude who had ever approached me while I was sitting down and then I stand up in my full six foot one self. <laughs> <laughs> Real talk, Todd, Todd is like 4'8". I'm 5'4". So no, I'm 4'8". Hey, I'm 5'4". <laughs> Yes. There's there's zero shame with that. I just always love it because I can always see the moment where the guy goes, oh. I know. It's like uh, the moment in Back to the Future where uh, Marty is uh, spoiling with Biff and then he straightens himself up and he's like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and who is the who is the who is the hero of that film? Short Michael yeah. J. Fox. Oh well. Short Michael yeah. J. Fox. Absolutely. A, can, a Canadian. Thank you very much. Uh, oh, thank you, Charlie. Yes. Um, yeah. So I mean, so we we essentially got this movie. It was essentially was the first portion of this story, which I think. Uh, could frustrate some people, but I mm-hmm. felt like once again, this felt like Lord of the Rings, where it was the the fellowship. We basically got everything together to say this is going to be the beginning of something bigger, mm-hmm. and we are leaving the past behind and where we're going. So we haven't even seen the Emperor, which apparently is a big part of the next uh, portion of this movie in the in the series and where it's going, and it's done well, which means the opportunity to finally get this movie and move and do more of the story is going to be happening. And uh, Dennis is getting his wish that this will only be in theaters for the next one, because that was a big thing that he was pushing back with. And WB did announce, Charlie, I think you even said, shared that, but HBO Max, everything going yeah. forward in 2022 and beyond will be in the theaters first. So uh, you know, that and, will be and, the best way to see it. And I think that that's totally okay. And let's please let the emperor be when he finds him, uh, Ian McDermott, if he's still alive, the emperor from Star Wars. Oh, I thought it'd be Mike Myers and be like just a weird character like Goldfinger, <laughs> just doing something odd and weird. That'd be cool. I love character. gold. Absolutely. Yes, or it's please. Fat Bastard, maybe. I don't know. Something weird. <laughs> That'd be <laughs> appropriate, not? right? There yeah, you go. yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, I like it. Exactly, exactly. So awesome. Well, um, before we leave, let's give us a score for this film. We didn't do our normal pros and cons, but I like the the conversation we had about this movie. Totally. So, no, I like so. It. So, Katie, uh, if we gave it uh, zero out of ten, um, what are those things that killed people? Those assassin Oh, the um, Hunter Seekers. Zero out of ten Hunter Seekers. How many would you give this? <laughs> um, you know, I would probably have to say like eight Hunter Seekers. I mean, nice, I think nice. that it was really I, – I loved that the fact that it was very like political intrigue motivated. The characters were very, very well developed. I honestly like – I just really hope that they don't go more action-based in the next ones and that they stick to kind of the roots of this one of just keeping it focused on the characters and the political intrigue. Excellent. So certified fresh for you, Charlie. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm going to have, you know what? I'm going to have to tag it with the same. I'll probably go with seven, five. Uh, again, I, I, sometimes I'm not always sure about the length of a movie if it runs over, you know, that two and a half hour mark, but I think they made great use of the time mm-hmm. uh, and I want to see more. And I think they didn't waste much. You know, a long movie is, is always an exercise in waste or extravagance. And 
was there waste and was there like, ah, did they really, were they just jerking off? You know what I mean? And I really don't feel like they were. I feel yeah. like they pulled it off. So I want to see more. I want to see, as Todd so expertly said, if, are they marching off to kill Sauron at the end of this one? I want to see if that's the case. Yes. And I was a little worried about this, Charlie, because you hated Blade Runner 2049. And this is the same director. So I was a little nervous when I saw the length. And I'm like, are they going to be overindulgent? You know, like have pictures of like sandworms for five minutes. We're going to look at a sandworm for five minutes. You don't need to do that. It felt very much more arrival than Blade Runner, I would say. Like as far as the previous stuff, this was much more arrival than Blade Runner. Right. True, I think true, true, I think true. it was a I think he accomplished from an artistic view, taking mm-hmm. where he needed to go and really nailed it. And I thought the the cast was fantastic. Man, oh man, these people were along for the ride. Mm-hmm. And you know that Timothy Chalamet kid, eh, he may have something. He he's he's a phenomenon. Plus, he looks like he weighs like about a buck oh five. He's just <laughs> yeah. so tiny, <laughs> and he's going to be Willy Wonka. He's going right. to be Willy Wonka. <laughs> Who knows? Yes. I, think he, I think he's perfect for that, though. Like you said, he's just like wisp and just like just his ability to he's, kind of just like fit. Into and he was, role. and he was great he's, on Saturday Night Live too. He's, so. Yeah, he's he's ethereal. Don't you remember he's in Baby Yoda's gang? That was one of the Weekend Update gang. Oh, he's in my him. gang, Chalamet, and he named. <laughs> <one of them. laughs> uh, so I'm going to give this movie eight point five uh, out of ten because. I just thought it, it accomplished what it needed to, and I'm glad that we're getting some more thoughtful sci-fi because sci-fi has really struggled to do well. If it's not like right. branded like MCU or Marvel or something like that, yeah. it just doesn't do well. So I'm glad this is doing well and get some appreciation. I hope we get more opportunities for sci-fi that isn't a franchise you already know about. I want more of this. So there you go, folks. Uh, so with that point, uh, Katie, tell everyone all the ways you can find be found in the interwebs. <laughs> Um, well, you can find me on Instagram. Um, if you just want like my personal fun page, that's um, at Bodequin. Um, and then um, my photography is at uh, K Photoscape, and that's for Instagram and for Facebook. And then I also have um, uh, kphotoscape.com is my website for all of my photography fun. Awesome. Well, yeah. fantastic. Charlie, before we leave, just leave your personal Twitter where people can find you as well. If you should be, you can find me over at the at C3, C-E-E-T-H-A. The C3, right? The C3, T-H-E-C-E-E-T-H-R-E-E over on Twitter. Guy, you really put me through the paces. Of course, I'm on Facebook. And again, Uh, uh would be the Star Trek International fan club chapter that we run here in Michigan. So come check us out over there. Excellent. You can find me at T Oxter along with all their socials with Seek Friends Unite. But uh, just one bef- note before I go, I am raising money this weekend with uh, Extra Life as a charity for the Children's Miracle, Miracle Network Hospitals. I'm going to be gaming on Saturday. If you want to find me, um, check out my socials for the way you can donate and, uh, and upgrade. I'm going to be there to entertain you folks with bad gaming, bad commentary, and just fun. So if you want to join me at gaming, you can do it that way. So thank you very much, folks. This has been a pleasure. But at this point, we need to say goodbye. And uh, you will check this out on Friday. Indeed we do. Thank you. Yes, Scott Quinn, and come back a thousand times over. It was great. Yes, you can definitely (laughs) come back. You are a a pleasure, and you made us even better. Oh, thank you. I had so much fun. You bet. I'll be talking to you about Code 47 because I want to hear about your love for animated Star Trek. But at any uh, my rate, love for uh, anything animated, honestly, I am an animated oh, I, fan. <laughs> I am as well. 
Good deal. Well, I will say, friends, as always, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. Be the hero, not the villain. In a truck. Spice is life. (laughs) This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit SecretFriendsUnite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at SecretFriendsU on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.